Look, there's two things that every donor wants. Two simple, simple things. You ready? You yeah. want to know what they are? And this, and I, I, this is in my gut. This comes from our research, okay? They want to know two things. Number one, what the heck did you do with my money? And what the heck are you doing with my personal information? From Virtuous, I'm Noah Barnett, and this is the Responsive Fundraising Podcast, a show where we talk with fundraising leaders and thinkers to uncover how today's top nonprofits craft remarkable donor experiences and build lasting relationships at scale. On today's episode, Gabe Cooper, the CEO and founder of Virtuous, sits down with Greg Warner. He's the founder of Market Smart, an organization that really helps nonprofits navigate the complexities of cultivating donors, specifically major donors, and how do you engage them in things like planned giving and other legacy type giving. It's a great conversation and one that comes from the perspective of a discontent donor turned nonprofit consultant. You're not going to want to miss this, so let's dive in. Welcome to the podcast, Greg. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, before we get into it, I'd love to hear you tell a little bit, uh, kind of of your backstory. What got you into the nonprofit space um, originally, and what what inspired you to found MarketSmart? Right. I tell everybody I'm kind of a ticked-off donor, is really, (laughs) (laughs) that's a short story. Uh, and and uh, yeah, it kind of goes back a ways where um, uh, first, like m- my cousins created a nonprofit, my uh, brother-in-law created a nonprofit. Everybody and their mother wants to create a nonprofit these days. It's so easy on a computer. You invite some friends to do a walk or something, and next thing you know, you got a nonprofit, right? I see. I mean, so many people want to do this. They, they're all defunct. I mean, for my, my family's nonprofits, because, you know, they were too much work. It was hard to raise any money. We were nagging all our friends, all this kind of stuff. You know, there's only so much of that that, that you can do. But uh, what really led me here beyond that was that a charity that I felt I was given a lot of money to and I was I, I was really supportive of because, well, it's a diabetes-related charity because my wife has diabetes and has had diabetes since she's a kid. And uh, I was getting pelted with mail and email and invitations and, and, you know, just too much stuff that was irrelevant, confusing, and sometimes even downright offensive that one time I, I just, I got something and I was like, this, this is it. I got to call them and ask them, what the hell are they doing here? And I got the person on the line. It was amazing. It wasn't easy, but I got her on the line and I asked her. And what I realized in that conversation was that she was trying to generate major gifts, really legacy gifts at the time. Uh, and you can't just generate a legacy gift, but she was trying to generate leads so she could talk to people about legacy giving. And what she was doing when I asked her, I said, is, is okay, so now that I understand what you're doing, does, does this work? Because she was sending out these newsletters and, and it was all jargony and it sounded like it was written by lawyers and it was just, it was just not good. And it, it, she was spending over $100,000 on that stuff. And I, I, I was like, is it working? She's like, no, <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> but... 
But she said, but there's all these uh, really smart consultants out there that speak at all the conferences and everything, and they have booths, and, and they're just so smart, and they know how to do it. So that's who we hire, and that's who actually made this one that got you ticked off. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, they're real smart. I, I got it. They, they weren't smart. <laughs> I don't know what, I think they were all just sort of um, uh, following the leader of, uh, you know, of nothing in, into, into a, a pit of hell. And they're like living in a vacuum uh, echo chamber of, of stupidity. So, so there, I got mad. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I, I, I love that story. It's funny, we didn't talk about this before the podcast, but um, my wife has type 1 diabetes, had it since she was 11, and that's been some of my m- most frustrating moments, right? Because this is, diabetes is a great example, something that affects you in a very, very, very personal way, right? Like it, it's yeah. affected like our, our health and how we think about our family and um, it just, it's very personal, right? And then you get something that, that couldn't be any like less personal that's so institutional and seems to know nothing about you that it that disconnect does kind of make you angry it's like man this is a big deal to us why, why can't you talk to me like i'm a person and so it's it's amazing that exists but especially around diabetes that's a great example well and you're hard pressed to find anybody at the charity who really cares yeah. about the charity i mean they're they're there they're gone you know, two years later, they're gone. I had someone visit me one time uh, just because, and I was so happy she even called and she asked to visit this at, at another diabetes charity. And she came out and I gave her a thousand dollars just, you know, she wasn't expecting it, but just, just because she came out, I was, you know, and I never, <laughs> never heard from her again. I looked her up on LinkedIn, like six months later, she's gone. Yeah. I was like, what, what is it? And here's the most egregious one. Now that you got me, you got me triggered. Okay. <laughs> so the, not that first charity, but the, uh, another diabetes related charity, um, that we were giving to sent us a, and this will really strike a chord for you. But a, a few years ago, they sent us a mailer right before Thanksgiving, yep. like a week or two before. And it was, it was packed with these like, um, uh, what do you call them? Recipes, recipes, Thanksgiving recipes. Yeah. Right. Yep. And they're they're smart. They're using the law of reciprocity. They're going to give us something, yep. and then they have an ask. So we're going to fill out the form. We're going to give them money in yeah. return. And it like started at two hundred fifty bucks, five hundred, and a thousand. You know, yeah, yeah. because probably because I gave them a good sized gift in the past. Yep. So here we are. We get this, and it's asking for money, and they give us these these recipes, and and boy, aren't they wonderful? Now I didn't open the letter. My wife did, and I looked at her. Like as she's looking at it and she, her tears are welling up in her eyes. I'm like, oh, she must be, you know, happy. So happy that they, they gave us recipes. No, no. She was about to cry because <laughs> they sent us recipes that all included, all of them included sugar and carbs. No, all carbs, <laughs> stuff that she can't eat. And she's looking at me and she's like, I don't understand this. I, this is recipes that I'm supposed to cook for everybody but me. <laughs> like, it was awful. I was just like, to hell with them. I took them out of my will and, uh, and that's it. Oh, that's hilarious. That's great. Yeah, I love that. That's, that's, yeah. So. How on earth does that happen? Yeah. I, I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't know. Uh, that's great. Mind blowing, right? <laughs> Mind blowing, but not uncommon, unfortunately, just not uncommon. Um, yeah, well, it's, 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 it is, look, I, I, I should jump in and say, I, because you're going to have a lot of fundraisers listening to this and, and I don't want to, I don't, I might be a ticked off donor, but I'm not just trying to beat up on fundraisers. Yeah. I have a tremendous empathy, tremendous empathy for fundraisers. They're my best buddies. Yep. They're our customers. Uh, they are, they work hard. Mm-hmm. They work hard often for less money than they would get in the private sector. Yep. They have uh, to answer to a lot of, a lot of um, powers. There's the donors. There's the major donors. There's the leadership of the organization. There might even be a founder that's separate. And then you've got the, the board, the board of directors. I mean, you've got all these people, uh, you know, and then the program staff, they, they need what they need. And, uh, and then there's pressure on the fundraisers to do their job. They don't have the resources. They don't have big budgets. There's the organizations in a starvation cycle. Like they don't want to spend money because they don't want to seem like they're spending too much money on fundraising. Yeah. And, and that's not fair. And the media has propagated that, uh, making it that obscene for us to spend money on, on smart things. It's just so, so let me just turn that around and say, you know, so some poor fundraiser, you know, got, got put in a corner and it was probably his fault or her fault that that stupid mailer went out. But I, I, I get it. I, I totally understand. They're under too much damn pressure and it's, it's not, it's not like a regular private sector business and it's not fair. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, l- listen, there's a, uh, we've both had our foot, at least one foot in the for-profit marketing space for the last, you know, however many years. And there, there's been a massive shift in, in for-profit marketing. It's, it's changed substantially over the last, we'll call it 15 years. Um, and, and the nonprofit space has kind of been dragged behind it sometimes unwillingly, but just because people's like you and I, as donors, our expectations change around marketing. So what kind of shifts have you seen in fundraising and philanthropy over time? Um, and, and then kind of how do we think about, you know, is it, do we have to just overhaul everything to get caught up from a marketing perspective? Um, what do we need to do to sort of catch up? Yeah, so uh, just to go up at the top first, the leadership needs a, a big change in mindset and that includes the board and, and a lot of board members unfortunately are too old to really understand marketing and, and how it's changed. Now they understand it in the fact that they don't like being pelted with stuff, yeah. right? They know that they don't like it, but the old way of doing things 10, 20 years ago was that, yeah, you didn't like it, but you just did it. Because that's the way it was done. And that's why, like, whenever we're sitting down for dinner, we get a call from, like, our alma mater or, or, or the, the roofing company or something, yeah. you know? And, and that old school way of doing things, and nobody likes it. And even though every board member, every leader, every fundraiser, nobody likes it. But, but somehow the private sector has actually made the change and looked at it and said, well, hold on. We could do inbound marketing or we can call people at the right time when yeah. we know it's the right time so that we're not, uh, we're not offending everybody, but we're more of a, a customer service 
organization instead of a sales organization, yep. right? So uh, what what I've done in my book is I I basically took the inbound marketing uh, concept, which wasn't invented by me. It's you know a lot of people have contributed to that, and I I put my spin on it for the fundraising sector so that they would understand that the world has changed. Uh, I call it fundraising climate change. <laughs> and and that, that we need to behave differently whereby less is really more. It's not about pounding people with spam or junk mail to try and get eke out another ounce of, uh, of blood, you know, meaning money. But it's, it's about capturing information about people and then treating them the way they want to be treated and uh, 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 personalizing your your uh, communications so that they feel loved. And if they feel loved, uh, they'll show love back. They'll give back in exponential measures. And the phrase that I coined back in 2000, I think it was 2012 or 13, uh, to encapsulate this concept, which is essentially inbound marketing, but for fundraisers, yep. is engagement fundraising. Hmm. That's great. And that's the name of your book, Engagement Fundraising. So, I, But I'd love for you to take a step back there because you know, so many of our customers, we're really encouraging them to adopt um, inbound strategies to basically partner with their donors in a way that, that creates demand. And so they're not always selling or pushing, but but people, it's so winsome that people are coming to them. Uh, but t- take a couple seconds and just um, walk our listeners through what you mean by uh, inbound um, fundraising and specifically what that looks like for a nonprofit or inbound marketing. Yeah, so uh, there are uh, some components of engagement fundraising that that just need to be understood. I'm not going to give them all away. I'll just touch on a couple of them because you got to get the book to get the rest of them. <laughs> but number one is to recognize that there's an 80-20 rule in play. Uh, so if you haven't heard of the 80-20 rule or the Pareto principle, as, as it's known, it's that 80% of your revenue, and it's actually becoming more like 90% of your revenue is generally going to come from just 10 or 20% of your supporters. It's a very small group, okay? So, of course, you have to bring in supporters, and I'm not an acquisition fundraising person. Uh, Nothing that I talk about is about acquiring new donors. It's all about uh, looking at the donors that you have, recognizing who deserves, if you will, the first-class treatment? Who's in that uh, 20% that can give 80% or more of the revenue and who's likely to become that kind of person? It's based on capacity and passion. It's very simple. And you have to figure out who are those people. It's kind of like, I don't know, if you get on an airline, uh, you know, they're looking to figure out to a degree who's going to become the frequent flyer, especially in the first class section, right? That's who they want. They want frequent flyers in the first class section. So that's what we want. We want to find that because one donor can, can really can make the whole damn organization for decades to come, generations to come. If you just find out that one, that 10, 50 people, 
and give them amazing, amazing first-class service. Okay, but but next, another component is value, understanding the value proposition. So this is real marketing kind of geek speak. People are like, what are you, what are you talking about? Value, you know, we ask them to give, they give. And it's like, no, 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 you got to understand why each individual who has capacity and passion, what's really going on in their head? What makes them tick and makes them want to give? In my case and yours, for instance, with diabetes, it's because we live with diabetes, not you and me directly. Yeah. But believe it or I know you, you know, if your wife has it, you're dealing with it. Mine's up at, in the middle of the night every night. You know, she's, she's got to go get juice. Her blood sugar's up. It's down. You're worried about having to go to the hospital. You know, it's terrifying. Yep. And we live with it every day. So, so would you want a cure? You're damn right. Uh, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Desperately. So that's the value. But, but you probably have other charities that you care about. Yep. And usually the simplest way to look at the value proposition is to first understand the donor's life story, because usually the nonprofit is going to have some kind of, this is why like, it's always funny when someone calls me up and asks me for a donation or sends me a letter and I'm like, wow, I have no connection to that cause whatsoever. Yep. Whatsoever. Like, and they'll, they'll ask you and I'm like, I can't believe it. I have people on LinkedIn cause I have so many connections. Like some dude from Africa will say, you send me money. It's like, what are you talking about? We got, there's nothing in my, in my life story that would make me want to give. And, and not only that, but he's, he's moving too soon. So there's another part is, is you have to not only provide value in line with the donor's interests, needs, their life story, their passions, and their capacity, but you have to provide them with offers for engagement that will help people move themselves through the consideration process. This means it, it's a very long road to get somebody from a $10 donation or a $100 donation to a $100,000 donation or to a person of average means who has no children leaving their house to the charity. It's a long road and you have to understand and recognize that most of the road is going to work. Most of the, 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 the lifespan and the relationship between the donor and the charity have to involve meaningful engagement experiences that start out as what I call engagement offers. So that's an opportunity to download a checklist or click on a map or watch a video or sign up for, to advocate for some. And the list goes on. I mean, there's hundreds of things that you can do. Yeah. And you have to start aiming not for donations, but for engagement that provide value and build relationships just like human beings one-to-one don't get married on the first date. Yeah. They offer each other invitations to engage and get to know one another and reciprocate, become involved, help one another and on and on. So I guess the only other tidbit I'll give away on that is that you got to treat people at scale like they are human beings one to one. Yeah. Gosh, I, you're 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 
singing from our playbook right now. Sounds like you're reading off our website, but yeah, I mean, that's- oh, I could get a job there. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> if this yeah. ever gets a bit of problem, you know, there you go. You can give me a job. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That, that's, we talk about that so much is that, um, people ask us cause we'll do social scraping, social media scraping. And we'll show people a map of who lives next to them. People say, Oh, so you're posting stuff about your org on social media. I'm like, no, they, we do this because unless you can know your donor first, um, then you, you can't build a relationship. It's like, if you walk up to somebody at a cocktail party, it's the analogy I always use. You first start asking them questions to get to know them. And so you find out if they like bowling or basketball. Now you tailor your conversation around bowling or basketball. You don't talk about stuff they're not into. And and at now, in today's day and age, we finally have the tools to do that at scale, like we have social media. We can use people's geolocation. We can use wealth data. We can use predictive analytics. And so we can actually get to know people at scale, even with a few fundraisers. And then use things like automation to begin tailoring the right communication at the right time, rather than just blasting people about something they don't care about. And that I love your, you know, you don't ask to get married on the first date. That's exactly right. You know somebody, you build trust over time around the passion about. So if I get fired up about this, this is this is the kind of stuff that makes us tick too. There's a uh, day of reckoning that I think is coming to the charitable sector. Yep. And uh, it's coming sooner than than people might even think. And unfortunately, you know, it's almost like a tidal wave is coming. Like you can't see that the water is rising and then 10 minutes later, everything's just underwater. Yep. And you're like, oh my God, yeah, what, what happened? Well, I'm here to tell you that the earthquake already happened and yep. the water is rising and it's coming. Okay. But you can build a boat. you can build a boat and you can float away. It'll be okay. But if you don't build that boat, if you don't start thinking about this in the right way and start building the boat, then what's going to happen is those uber loyal uh, donors who have been blindly following and giving money to you, your organization are going to go away and there you're going to be left with the rest of them. You're going to be left with the baby boomers who lived through Watergate and trust no one. And the generation Xers like me, who lived through, uh, I don't know, countless Iraq wars and, and a million other things and, and, and yeah. trust less than the baby boomers. Yeah. And then you're going to get to generations Y and Z, and they're, they, they, they trust even less than us. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, trust is the cornerstone of all relationships, whether they're online, whether they're with a charity, whether they're with a, uh, uh, a, a donor, a friend, whatever. And if you don't have trust, you got nothing. No exchange of money will ever occur without first having trust. Yeah. And this is the problem that's happening is that organiz- here's the thing. So my, my company, I match dollar for dollar every donation that anybody in my company ever makes. Yeah. Okay, so, and I'm not saying that to puff out my, my chest. It's just yeah. that it's, and, and, and to a degree, A, it makes me feel good to do that. B, it makes my staff happy, you know, yeah. so that helps with retention. Yeah. So, so there's, you know, there's some reasons. There's always motivations of, of why I do that. But it's also because we like to see what the hell happens after we donate. Yeah. Well, the first thing we notice is our names get sold <laughs> for pennies. <laughs> I mean, they make a couple pennies and they sell our names. We start getting solicited 
by other chatter. How do we know? Is because we're always changing the way we put our name in the in the in the form. You know, <laughs> we'll do like an odd middle initial, or we'll spell yeah. our name wrong because we just want to like we just want to see what happens, and we need to. I mean, they sell our name, and then they, they like we got. For, I won't say which organization. We got something today from an organization that we never even donated to. We know we asked around. Everybody was like, "No, no, no we didn't do that one," and and we got this huge packet. I mean, it must have cost them dollars to send us this. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, w- 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 we don't even have a connection. Yeah. And they sent us a huge, expensive packet, and it was very confusing. Lots of stuff in there. Oh my god, a calendar and a this and a that. Yeah. Whew. So it just, it just, I, I don't know, it, how are we supposed to trust them? They're, they're, it's just, especially if they're buying my name. Yeah. Look, there's two things that every donor wants. Two simple, simple things. You ready? You yeah. want to know what they are? And this, and I, I, this is in my gut. This comes from our research, okay? They want to know two things. Number one, what the heck did you do with my money? And what the heck are you doing with my personal information? Huh? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's right. other things they want to know, but tell them what you did with your money and be honest with them about what you're going to do with the information. If you're going to sell their information, you're going to lose their trust. <laughs> People aren't stupid, man. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, um, and it's, it's hard though. I think there's a bunch of fundraisers out there, marketers that see this growing chasm that see, you know, donors, um, they get personalized experiences from all their other brands. They're making based on what their friends do more than institutions because they don't trust institutions anymore. Yeah, we have all these nonprofits on the other side that are pulling farther and farther away using old school institutional tactics, talking about themselves more than getting to know donors. So if, if I'm a nonprofit fundraiser, a marketer in this shifting world, like, wh- where do I start? Like, what changes? Are there simple changes I can start making to move in this direction? Like, is it hopeless? What do I do? Yeah, I think the first thing is to actually just ask questions of your donors. Yeah. So uh, that's either like uh, like an NPS score. That's the, uh, the net promoter <laughs> score question is great. Which is basically a would how likely are you to refer us to somebody? You yep. know, um, there's uh, surveying people. There's on your um, uh, giving form or even on any engagement offer that you might provide uh, where for people to watch a video or this or that. Just ask a couple questions about yep. their interest in yeah. and why they care and 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 what they might be interested in giving and collect that and and then treat them and then show them that you know them show them that you heard so it's really simple this is really just a a two-way conversation so i guess what i'm trying to say is the simple answer to your question is try and make it a two-way conversation they did something or said something you listened and you showed them that you heard, and then you asked another question. And then back and forth you go. And of course, what I always believe, getting back to, to the, the one, focus on the 80-20. The big problem that fundraisers do is they look at it and they say, well, we have 6,000 donors, or we have 60 or 600,000. I can't do that with everybody. It's like, yeah, I know. 
find six (laughs) or find 60, you know, and, and just do it with them. And you'll see that one of them will end up giving you exponentially more than you could ever get from, from, uh, spamming the heck out of, uh, 60,000 people all the time. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Well, Hey, um, I want to make sure before we kind of transition off, I get in this one last question, but it's, uh, um, legacy fundraising and legacy donors and thinking about how planned giving works, especially the where wealth sits in our country right now. Like talk to me a little bit about why engaging legacy donors is so important, why it's kind of the, the key to philanthropy. I think your question was about how do we engage people to help them consider and become legacy donors? Yep. Is, that, is that a fair? Yeah, that's great. Fair. Okay. So this is the thing. It's amazing with, with, with legacy marketing is anybody can make a legacy gift. Anybody. Anybody who's not even a, uh, uh, a donor. They might just like you on Facebook and yep. they could be, become a legacy supporter. Okay. So, uh, number one is again, the 80, 20. Okay. The research from Indiana university, I forget what it's called. Lily school of philanthropy found that 80% of all legacy gift revenue comes from guess what percentage of people? Uh, 15%. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. It's about, it's about 20%, yeah, 15, 20, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's the 80-20 rule. Yeah. It always works, right? Yeah, So, right. of course, you can engage with and, and offer anybody in your list or who, who even remotely advocates or is a member or a Facebook like or participated in a walk. Yeah. You need to engage with all of them to, A, let them know this sounds really ridiculous. Let them know that you even accept those kind of gifts. Yep. Believe it or not, people are like, oh, well, I thought that was just the big charities that did that. I always get mail from that. I didn't know you guys liked those. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so you need to let people know by offering them engagement opportunities. Now, here's the easiest way to do that is just tell stories. You know, here's a picture of Rick. Rick liked, uh, you know, um, he liked to go to the petting farm every day on the way home from work. And Rick left us a bequest in the amount of $3,500. It was what was left uh, as beneficiary designation of his um, bank account. Yeah. God bless Rick. We all love Rick. Thank you to Rick up in the heavens. Yeah. You know, or, uh, and, and, you know, that's an easy one. Don't always just show the one that's the rich person because most people aren't rich or most people don't think that they're rich. Yeah. So if you do this, even the person who's going to leave you a million dollar house (laughs) or, or as beneficiary of their life insurance policy or something that they don't need anymore because they don't like their daughter because she ran off with some, some criminal or something, who the heck knows what happened. Right. (laughs) So uh, you want to, you want to make it that, that it's, it's for everybody. And it's, it's okay. And then you'll get the big gift from people. Yeah. So that's, that's, you know, but it's always about, about providing value and offers. And a lot of times it's just telling the story that somebody did it and how thankful you are. Yeah. And so on. 
Yeah, they have somebody to associate with. Yeah, I love that. And and you're right. The other part is just telling people that it exists. I mean, it, it, plan giving and non-cash gifts are the two areas where it's just like it's out of sight, out of mind. And sometimes you just need to introduce somebody to the possibility and let them relate to it by seeing other people that have done it. And that's that's all you need. So, um, Well, here's the way the smarty pants consultants do it. Yeah. They say, send a letter to everybody and basically say, when you die, will you give us your money? <laughs> that's what it is that's basically yeah. what it says yeah i mean it doesn't say it like that but that's basically and everybody reads it and they're like oh i get it when i die they want my money hmm. <laughs> so so you know what the donor thinks is they think to themselves number one i really don't want to think about dying that's not in my in my wheelhouse right now so a i don't want to even look at this and b you provided me no value whatsoever it, it, to m encourage me to even consider this because it's all about you and it's all about telling me I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's great. Um, okay. Well, we're, we're just about out of time here. I, uh, I like to end on a couple of just kind of quick questions if that's okay with you, kind of just fun ones, rapid fire style to end our time. If it's all right, go for it. All right. So, um, First one is, is you got any uh, podcasts or books that you've been digging lately that you want to recommend to your, our audience? Obviously, Engagement Fundraising, your book, that doesn't count, but anything anything else that you want to recommend? Well, I guess I'll plug all my podcasts. How about, I got three. <laughs> I got three podcasts. <laughs> and don't worry, I don't do them all. Uh, but Engagement Fundraising is my podcast. So if you like this kind of shtick, Yep. From a guy from New Jersey who just takes off the gloves every time and just you know pat pat you know pounds it about uh, you know and 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 if you can take it because you're realizing I'm not ang I'm not angry at you I'm just trying to make the this is my style okay if you can handle it, engagement fundraising check out that one we also have one really pretty much for consultants or consultant wannabes that's okay. called how I built my fundraising consultancy. And I love that because it just everybody's got a different way of doing it. And there's also a lot of commonalities. But if you're even thinking about becoming a fundraising consultant, go check out how I built my fundraising consultancy. That's and then the third one is run by uh, one of my chief of operations is named Zach Shevska, who's uh, uh, he's just brilliant, yeah. brilliant guy. And it's called Metrics That Matter. And it's all about fundraising metrics. It's not really my thing. I love metrics. I like looking at them, but I definitely cannot talk about them like he can. <laughs> it's not, not my thing. But uh, if you're down with metrics and understanding every little, every little nook and cranny about your data and your metrics and, and what really matters and what you really should be looking at, you should check that out. Yeah, those are great recommendations. And I'm familiar with Zach's stuff. That stuff is good. But just the practicality of becoming a fundraising consultant, that's great too. So that's perfect. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Responsive Fundraising Podcast by Virtuous. Each episode we've designed to really give you the insights into the philosophy, process, and playbook of leading nonprofits so that you can grow giving and build deeper relationships with the people who matter most, your donors. 
And if you want to dig further into responsive fundraising, we've actually put together an exclusive content pack just for listeners of this podcast. If you go to virtuouscrm.com slash podcast, that's virtuouscrm.com slash podcast, you can download a content kit that includes the responsive fundraising blueprint, which outlines all of the strategies that are involved in implementing responsive fundraising. You also get the responsive fundraising playbook, which includes 20 plus plays, which are basically strategies that you can implement today at your nonprofit to become more responsive and ultimately raise retention and increase giving. We'll also throw in a bunch of other resources and content that is going to be helpful for you as you think about how you're applying responsive fundraising at your nonprofit. And it's completely free. You can grab that at virtuouscrm.com slash podcast. <laughs>